stronger as it heads to the Gulf Coast, on track to slam into Louisiana as a hurricane tomorrow night. Excessive use of force, a sheriff's deputy terminated after this violent arrest of a black man caught on tape. The man being treated for his injuries in jail. Ambushed the all-out manhunt for a gunman who shot two police officers in L.A. This was an unprovoked, cowardly act. They're fighting for their lives tonight. NBC News exclusive, a behind-the-scenes look at how the NFL is keeping players safe. Revamped locker rooms and helmets that now block germs. Plus, the Big Ten college football meeting today, will they restart their season? And the ultimate street performers, some of the most talented musicians on earth, taking the show on the road. This is NBC Nightly News with Kate Snow. Good evening. It's almost hard to overstate how dramatic the fires are out west. To get a sense, look at a satellite photo of California a year ago yesterday. And now this was yesterday from above. And this is just a look at how many fires are burning across the west right now. At least 33 people have been killed. Many are missing and families are displaced. President Trump heads to Sacramento tomorrow. Our Aaron McLaughlin is just north of there tonight. Tonight in Oregon, devastation and desperation after scenes like this. A massive fireball exploding. A million acres burned, 16 active fires, and at least 10 dead. Entire towns in ruins. Dogs searching for bodies. Thousands evacuated and sheltering in parking lots. I was just paralyzed. You know, I didn't really realize it was happening. It feels like Armageddon. Cecile Reynolds lost everything. We didn't have a destination. We didn't know where we were going. We just left. The single mother now staying with her boys at a hotel. Their town leveled, their home gone. Remember the fence was right there. Her son Dominic struggling to understand. I was feeling sad and scared at the moment because I knew that we were gonna most likely lose our home. Thousands also lost their homes in California. Overnight, firefighters recovered three bodies from the North Complex fire. Now more than a quarter contained. Conditions have improved and progress has been made, but that can all change and quickly. Fire crews are hosing down hot spots here by the highway. They're really concerned the winds could pick up tonight. Residents far from the front lines are also feeling the effects. The toxic haze so bad, fears the San Francisco 49ers would have to cancel their season opener. For Steve Peterson and Leslie Porteous, this has been a two-year trauma. PTSD is bad. It's terrible. 2018, the couple lost their home to the Paradise Fire. They've been homeless ever since. Four days ago, their campgrounds were evacuated because of the smoke. And we need help. We absolutely do need help. Aaron joins us now from Northern California. Aaron, you said firefighters are concerned about the wind tonight. That's right, Kate. Winds of up to 15 miles per hour are expected tonight through tomorrow, potentially complicating firefighting efforts. So fire officials tell us they're prepared and ready for it. Kate. It's hard to take it all in. Aaron, thank you. From fire now to a dangerous tropical storm churning off the Gulf Coast right now. Forecasters expected to make landfall as a hurricane tomorrow night. The region's still reeling from a deadly hurricane that hit just a few weeks ago. Morgan Chesky is in New Orleans. 
Tonight, the first glimpse of Tropical Storm Sally. In the Florida Keys, torrential rains flooded roads as high winds battered the coast. A powerful preview of what could hit Louisiana late Monday, where many are getting ready. This is a workout. This is going to be the real deal. Or getting out. I've been through a hurricane before. I don't need to go through another one. Sally's current path on a direct line to New Orleans, where it's expected to make landfall as a hurricane. Outside the city, floodgates installed since Hurricane Katrina will soon drop into place. Does the approach change whether it's a Category 1 or a 5? No, no it does not. We have our gates that we close for every single storm. For those who live here, after dodging recent storms Marco and Laura, this one feels different. Uh, you learn that they're unpredictable, uh, never trust the track to like the last few hours, that's like the final track, and just stack up and just pray. And Morgan joins us now from New Orleans. Morgan, what are officials most worried about? Yeah, Kate, systems are in place to limit the storm surge here at Lake Pontchartrain, but there is real concern that because Sally is such a slow-moving storm, it could drop torrential rain inland and cause significant flooding. Kate? All right, Morgan Chesky, thank you. Now to a developing story out of Georgia, where a white sheriff's deputy was fired today after being caught on camera brutally restraining a black man during a traffic stop. Matt Bradley has late details and a warning. The video is disturbing. It's yet another shocking video showing white police officers violently restraining a black man in front of his family. Multiple videos show Clayton County, Georgia deputies pinning Roderick Walker to the ground. One punches him. A deputy also complains Walker bit his hand. A child screams for his father. Walker lost consciousness twice during his arrest, according to his lawyer. There doesn't appear to be any video that shows what led up to the incident. But Walker's attorney said it was completely unprovoked. What the video and the evidence in this case is undisputed is going to show and has shown is that Roderick was doing nothing wrong. Walker's attorney said someone was driving Walker, his girlfriend, and one of his children when police pulled the car over for a taillight violation. When deputies asked Walker, the passenger, for his ID, he asked why. They became upset when he inquired, like every American citizen has the right to inquire, why are you asking me for my ID. I'm not driving. Walker's attorney says the deputies then asked him to leave the car. It's unclear how the episode became violent, and authorities have not said why the car was pulled over. Walker is in a jail hospital charged with two counts of battery and two counts of obstructing law enforcement, and the sheriff says he has outstanding warrants for other incidents. But Walker's lawyer and family say it's the police who need to face justice. I just want my son home because he would be real bad. He did nothing wrong. I haven't talked to him since Friday. Today, the Clayton County Sheriff's Office said the deputy who punched Walker is being terminated for excessive use of force and turned the investigation over to the district attorney's office as protests tonight grow. Matt Bradley, NBC News. In Los Angeles, more disturbing video after two sheriff's deputies there were shot in a brazen ambush Saturday night. They are now fighting for their lives, and a manhunt is underway for the shooter. Gotti Schwartz has the latest from L.A. Near a bus station in Compton, California, what's being called a cowardly ambush. A man walking up with a handgun and opening fire into a parked sheriff's patrol vehicle, shooting two deputies near point-blank range, then running away. 
He acted as if he was going to walk past the car, and then he made a left turn directly toward the car, raised a pistol, and fired several rounds inside of the vehicle, striking both of the sheriff's deputies. Incredibly, one deputy staggers out and calls for help. They were both critically injured, multiple gunshot wounds. One deputy, a 31-year-old mother of a 6-year-old boy, shot in the face. The other, a 24-year-old man, shot several times, both just over a year on the job. They just graduated, and in fact, I swore them into office just 14 months ago. Seeing somebody just walk up and just start shooting on them, it, it's, uh, it pisses me off. At the hospital, heightened security, after authorities say a group of anti-police protesters gathered unlawfully and blocked the entrance to the hospital's emergency room. A bishop pleading for peace. We all need to work for peace. Peace doesn't just happen. We have to create it. And the environment that we're living in is very hostile to one another. And our sheriffs and our police officers, they are part of the community. Gotti's with us. Gotti, have police talked about any motive? Well, Kate, so far we don't know the motive in this case, but what we do know is that investigators have not made a link yet between uh, what we saw there and some of the unrest that we've also seen in South Los Angeles. Uh, right now, the county of Los Angeles is offering a $100,000 reward for any information leading to that suspect. Kate, back to you. All right, Gotti Schwartz, thank you. To politics now, thousands are expected at President Trump's campaign rally in Nevada tonight. It's his first completely indoor gathering in nearly three months, and it's causing some controversy amid the state's COVID restrictions. Kelly O'Donnell reports from Las Vegas. Playing his hand with a second day in Nevada. Truly honored to be here today with Latinos for Trump. The president courting Latinos who represent nearly one in five voters in this state. Well, Joe Biden failed Hispanic Americans. I've delivered for Hispanic Americans more than any other president. Tonight, near Las Vegas, the Trump campaign going fully indoors for a nighttime rally inside this equipment manufacturer, disregarding state COVID limits on gatherings again, as he did last night. All the way back there, take your cameras. Go as far as the eye can see gleeful about the size of his rally crowd, several thousand, while mocking Joe Biden for following virus restrictions. You ever see him with the little circles, the circle? You know why he puts the circles? Because he wants to be, like, correct with COVID, but it's not really, because they can't get anybody to fill up a room. Today, Joe Biden and his family attended mass in Delaware. His campaign getting a major cash infusion as former rival Mike Bloomberg committed $100 million to help Biden win in Florida. Polls show Biden ahead, but the race tightening in battleground states. The president made clear he will not hold back. I don't have to be nice anymore. Making unsupported accusations that undercut the fairness of the coming election. Now I can be really vicious. We're going to start by saying that the Democrats are trying to rig this election because it's the only way they're going to win. Kelly, if they're not allowed to have gatherings over 50 people there in Nevada, how does the campaign get away with this? Well, Kate, it's so much about the location. Tonight's rally will be held at a private business that has already sued the state over COVID rules. And so in many ways, it's about finding a venue willing to take the risk and take their chances. Kate? 
Kelly O'Donnell out in Vegas for us. Kelly, thank you. And a programming note, Savannah Guthrie has the first live interview with journalist Bob Woodward to discuss his new book on President Trump. That's tomorrow on Today. When we come back, will they play the Big Ten meeting today to try to restart the football season? And an NBC News exclusive. We go behind the scenes with the NFL, how they're working to keep players safe. Look, Lemu, someone out there needs help customizing their car. George Floyd's family looked on. At other games, teammates kneeling together or even raising a fist before taking the field. And we're getting an exclusive look tonight at the extreme measures the league is taking in an effort to keep players safe during this pandemic. Here's Kevin Tibble. The locker room of the Cleveland Browns. Hallowed ground. Changed perhaps forever. You have 30, 35 guys in here. 25 guys in a room next door. Joshi and the team's senior VP of player health and development takes us on an exclusive tour. We really have a new normal, right? Our day-to-day -day process is unlike anything we've ever done in the past. NFL facilities now ruled by a new set of protocols to reduce the risk of COVID-19. Everyone, players and staff, tested daily. So I'm still looking for two people that need to be tested. Dr. Alan Sills is the NFL's chief medical officer. Over the first five weeks of our team activities, we've done over a quarter of a million COVID-19 tests on players, coaches, and staff of team personnel. One, two, three, come get up! Boisterous game day bravado, now socially distanced. You install floor-to-ceiling plexiglass. You space lockers out six feet apart. A room that once housed 90 now houses 40 with 40 in an overflow locker room. It's entirely different than anything our players have ever done. Still, some 60 players have decided to opt out of playing this season due to the pandemic. Brown Center and president of the Players Association, J.C. Treader, says everyone wants to play safe. We worked tirelessly this offseason of trying to find a way to open back up and open back up safely. Cutting-edge technical changes, too. Locker rooms fitted with ultraviolet lights to further sanitize equipment. Everyone in our building gets one of these devices. New electronic Connexon safe zone tags, which flash red within six feet of someone else and record who you meet. So if someone tests positive... We can find that person and all the close contacts to that person. Immediately. Immediately, in real time. And the helmets? All fitted with new plastic shields that act just like a cloth face mask. The goal is to really limit the transmission of respiratory droplets while guys are on the field of play. While all the precautions, protocols, and preparations are in place, no one really knows what's going to happen until the players line up across from one another on the field. While in some stadiums, like here in Cleveland, there will be some fans 
Others may be empty without the roar of the crowd. It will definitely be weird, but we're excited to get back out there and play. Even before kickoff, NFL teams are working together to tackle a common opponent, COVID. We really realize it's a shared and collective responsibility to all make good decisions to give us the best chance to play football this fall. And stay safe. And stay safe. Kevin Tibbles, NBC News, Cleveland. Coming up, a concert at your doorstep. The world-famous musicians popping up in random places. Hey, can I go? Hold on one second. in front of a red pickup truck perform an ode to a city that's been through a lot this year. The pandemic that killed more than 23,000 here. Months of unrest and calls for justice. It was opera singer Anthony Roth Costanza who thought music could be a part of the city's comeback. I have a crazy idea, and it may be a bad idea, but... It involves a pickup truck. It involves a pickup truck. This is just one pit stop for the New York Philharmonic bandwagon, a traveling mini orchestra making surprise stops. In classical music, there's this perception of elitism. And in fact, what it is, is the expression of human emotion and the way in which we can communicate with each other. Violinist Yulia Ziskel jumped at the chance to make live music again. You normally perform here in Lincoln Center, and now you're out taking it to the streets. Does it feel different? It felt so special. And you could tell people miss live entertainment right now. They miss live performances. Music is healing. We need to perform live. The music helping mend hearts across the city. It made me just <laughs> so happy to live here. continue on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays all through mid-October. That is NBC Nightly News on this Sunday. Lester Holt will be with you tomorrow with an exclusive interview with Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, a key witness in President Trump's impeachment inquiry. I'm Kate Snow for all of us at NBC News. Stay safe. Have a great night. Sunday night. Cowboys, Rams on NBC. Weather rate certified. SoCal's most accurate. Four years in a row. This is for you. This.